Hi, it's Katie with Bountiful Living. Does anyone else have a crazy first weekend in December? It seems to be this way for us anyway, that everything is happening that same weekend and not necessarily things going on the rest of the month. It's like you have to pick between five things that are your favorite. What are you going to do? Because, you know, it isn't really possible to be in two places at once. I want to encourage you, no matter what your schedule is looking like, that there's only one thing we must say yes to this holiday season, and that is Jesus. We have been looking at him now as being our hope of yesterday, our hope for today. And in this episode, we're going to talk all about how Christ is our hope for tomorrow. For a lot of us, this time of year isn't merry. It cripples us. It overwhelms us. And in the last episode, Hope for Today, we looked at how to take every thought captive and defeat the enemy with the Word of God. Because while there is a lot of suffering in this present world, enough to completely steal our hope, we do not have to allow our hope to be taken from us. I'll read again the scripture that I closed with last time from Proverbs 13, 12 that says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Those words, tree of life, perked me up a little bit. For those of you who are with us in the first episode in this series, Christ is our hope yesterday, we looked at the Garden of Eden and it talked about how In Genesis, God gave to humanity the tree of life and how our sin is what separated us from God and separated us even from that tree. Now, I have a a video on YouTube, if you want to check it out, that goes through my little tangent of the tree of life being spread throughout the Word of God, because this is something that About three years ago, I started studying, and just when I was going through the Word, I kept seeing the tree of life popping up again and again and again. And as I just finished a study that I'm doing on Revelation, I noticed that God's Word begins in Genesis with the tree of life, and God's Word ends in Revelation 22 with the tree of life. It's like little bookends. Because God is so beautiful. His plans for us are so good. He is restoring back all that was lost through Jesus Christ. And for those of us who trust in him, today we can have a foretaste of that future glory with our Savior when we spend time in God's word. Psalms 1, 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And that is meaning that those words, the law of the Lord, that is meaning God's word, God's counsel. And he meditates on this day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all he does prospers. So when we do this, when we discipline ourselves to delight in God's word, 
When we meditate on it, we are like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. I want you to remember that because it is going to, we're going to talk about it a little bit later in the podcast. This episode is about Christ's return. Are you ready? Maybe you don't know anything about it. After today, you will. So for anyone who's never read the book of Revelation, maybe you've never even heard of it, don't know anything about it, maybe you've read it and don't understand it, and you're just like, I don't want to even go there because it's intimidating, let me read to you what it says in Revelation 1-3. It says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written for the time is near. So my friend, even if you don't understand it all, and (laughs) even with what I've studied, and I've studied Revelation many times, I even started, oddly enough, in junior high, went to a conference about it, and I just, I feel like I was there. I'm sure maybe I learned something, but when I studied it recently as an adult, I was like, this is all fresh and new. It was as if I'd never heard it before. God says we are blessed to just read it and hear it. So let's stay there. Like, let's be okay with that. So let us fast forward a bit from chapter one to the end of the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation was written by the disciple John, not John the Baptist. So that was Jesus's cousin. This was one of Jesus's disciples. He was actually one of the three in the inner circle that Jesus spent the most time with And he actually had this vision when he was in prison for he was a martyr for Christ, for his faith. And I had this conversation with my daughter once. She was like, how do you know the Bible is real? I'll get into a big, long conversation about that another day because there are so many proofs. You know, there's there's archaeological facts. But the one that rings true to me the most is that these people, I don't think they would have been martyred and brutally killed, most of them, and held true to this word of God if it were fake, if it were false. My children are even studying the Roman Colosseum right now. We're not at a Christian school, but thankfully the teacher is a believer, and she has told told them how Christians were were the ones put in those animal pits for sport. And I have read a lot of the history of that. I don't think these people would have held fast to a faith that was false. And we'll read John's testimony here at the end of our talk today. But I'm going to skip around a little bit. (laughs) There's so much to cover I don't honestly know where to start. I feel like I could be here all day talking to you about this, but I know your time is precious, so I want to value that. But I will say I can testify, as these other testimonies in the Bible say, that in Christ we have hope, in Christ we have a future, in Christ we are made new. Going back to Revelation, there's so much of it that I think people have spent lifetimes (laughs) trying to understand, even the brightest theologians who have not only done their own study, but looked back at 
the studies of many other people of the faith, that we cannot fully comprehend what awaits. But because I know and believe that God's word is true, that we can trust him, we can trust him at his word. And we don't have to know how he will come or when he will come, but we need to ready ourselves as the bride of Christ to welcome him back. Revelation 19 verse 6, the Apostle John writes, Then I heard what seemed to be the thunderous voice of a great multitude, like a sound of a massive waterfall and mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt Him and give Him the glory, because the wedding celebration of the Lamb has come, and the bride, that's us, has made herself ready. Fine linen, shining bright and clear, has been given to her to wear, and the fine linen represents the righteous deeds of his holy believers. Then the angel, the angel is the one who was guiding John through this vision, says, Write these words, Wonderfully blessed are those who are invited to the feast at the wedding celebration of the Lamb. And then the angel said to John, and that's not exactly what it says, but that's the way I'm reading it to you, so it's a little easier to understand. These are true words from God. So my friend, to those who are in Christ, who are seated with him in heavenly places, a wedding celebration awaits for us. Skipping over to Revelation 21, I encourage you to read this book yourself. Again, even if you don't understand it, even if it feels over your head, read it because there's a blessing in it. And these words are also beautiful. I, for time's sake, I'm not going to go into all of them today. But John sees this vision of the new heaven and new earth descending from heaven. And I've seen so many artist depictions of what this might be like. And I've even tried to imagine it myself in all of the study that I've done thus far. It's, it's something beyond comprehension. He uses like a lot in his descriptions of this holy city. I think even when he was seeing it, it felt impossible to describe. When I was a child, speaking of these images, I had a precious moments Bible that I would flip through. My aunt had given it to me when I was a child. And one of the pictures in it said, no tears past the gate. And I used to sit and look at that a lot. And the verse that was with it was from Psalms 35, 30 verse 5, which I kind of thought, why, if this is talking about heaven, is this picture pointing me to a psalm? (laughs) And when I read the psalm, I posted it on Instagram, I was like, oh, David was in a dark night of the soul. (laughs) David was suffering too 
the point of death. He felt like he was in such a place of grief, of sorrow. I don't know if you've ever been there. When you're in such a dark place, you don't know how you'll lift out of it. But the Lord did. The Lord lifted David out of that place. The Lord lifted me out of that place. Because while there is suffering here on this earth, when we are in heaven, it will be no more. Revelation 21 verse 3 says, And I heard a thunderous voice, again another thunderous voice from the throne, saying, Look, God's tabernacle, that's the new Jerusalem, is with humanity. And from now on, he will tabernacle with them as their God. Now God himself will have his home with them. God with them. Emmanuel will be their God. And here it is. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and eliminate death entirely. No one will mourn or weep any longer. The pain of wounds will no longer exist. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for like my neck pain to go away. (laughs) The old order has ceased. And God enthroned spoke to John and said, consider this. I am making everything to be new and fresh. Write down at once what I have shown you. Again, each word is trustworthy and dependable. Y'all have got to read this for yourself as John begins to describe the holy city. And I remember hearing about in song, songs, the pearly gates, in truth, It isn't pearly gates, gates made of pearls. The gate is a pearl. There's 12 gates that are pearls. Can you imagine that? Like, (laughs) it's something I can't imagine. In chapter 22, and I'm going to read most of this today, where Eden is restored. God is restoring now and will restore at a future time all the things that have been broken in our world. It says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. Here it is, guys, the tree of life. So imagine it with me as I read. The angel showed John the river of the water of life, flowing with water clear as crystal, continuously pouring out from the throne of God and of the Lamb. The river was flowing in the middle of the street of the city, and on either side of the river was the tree of life. Guys, that means this is a big tree. And with its twelve kinds of ripe fruit, according to each month of the year, the leaves of the tree of life are for healing of the nations. Every curse will be broken and will no longer exist. For the throne of God and the Lamb will be there in that city. His loving servants will serve him. They will always see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. 
for they will never need the light of the sun or a lamp, because the Lord their God will shine on them, and they will reign as kings forever. So here in this last part of Revelation, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation if anyone's interested, there are three testimonies saying this is true. The first is from the angel who says to John, These words are entirely trustworthy and true. For the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his loving servants what must occur swiftly. And then Jesus steps in to speak and testify. He says, Behold, I am coming quickly. Are you ready? He says, Wonderfully blessed is the one who carefully guards the words of the prophecy of this book. Then John puts his testimony to this book. I am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw it all, I fell face down in worship to the messenger who showed them to me. (laughs) The messenger was an angel. And he said to me, don't worship me. I'm a fellow servant like you are. And the prophets, with those who cling to the words of this book, worship God. Yes, we all need to make sure we worship God and no other being or thing. Now, many people say that Jesus's final words are in the book of Acts when he ascends to heaven, but technically these are his last and final words that he repeats from verse seven, I think it is. Y'all, I need bifocals. Again, he says, behold, I am coming quickly. I will bring my reward with me to repay anyone according to their works. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Wonderfully blessed are those who wash their robes white so they can access the tree of life and enter the city of bliss by its open gates. Those not permitted to enter are outside. Those include the malicious hypocrites. The notes in my Bible says that those are likely a metaphor of people who pretend to follow Christ while hiding their sin. The sexually immoral, sorcerers, murderers, idolaters, and every lover of lies. For I, Jesus, have sent my angel to you for this testimony to share with the congregations. I am the bright and morning star, both David's spiritual door and his descendant. John responds to what Jesus says, and he just calls out, Come, the Spirit and the bride in divine duet say, Come. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. So I ask again, are you ready for his return? I will not assume that everyone listening to my words today is a believer. And let me explain a little further what I mean. For those of you who know in your heart that you have repented of your sins, that you have told Jesus that you are putting away with the old man, with your sinful nature, and you are receiving his redemption bought for you 
through his cruel death on the cross. And you believe that on the third day, he rose from the grave and is now seated next to the Father in heavenly places. If you have repented of your sin and you believe in Jesus, all of the promises and revelation for the bride of Christ await you. The tree of life awaits you. But for anyone who is unsure, maybe you were feeling like it was a bit rough who Jesus said is on the outside of that gate. I want to tell you that is God's standard, not mine. And as a teacher of God's word, I cannot add or subtract from what he says. If you want to today ask Jesus to be Lord of your life, today is the day of salvation. Don't wait another moment to ask Christ into your heart. His word says, Behold, I am coming quickly. Scriptures in Matthew say that it'll be almost like a thief in the night. We want to be ready for his return. So today, if you have never asked Christ to be Lord of your life, we can do that today. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I repent that I am a sinner. I repent that I have been going by the ways of the world, by my own ways, by my own will. And God, I want to be surrendered wholly to you. Righteous as you are righteous, holy as you are holy. I believe in Jesus as the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross for my sin. I believe he rose from the grave. I believe he is alive today. And I believe he is seated at the right hand of the Father. I believe he is coming quickly. I believe he will return and his reward is with him. Thank you, God, for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I want you to go to our website, bountifulliving.net. It'll walk you through all the steps of how to discover life in Christ. I encourage you to connect to a local church and spend time in God's Word because that is your main course. This podcast is just a side dish, just an accompaniment to your Christian life. And for those of us who have already made Christ our Lord and Savior and decided to follow Him, I want to encourage you with this. There is nothing, neither death nor life, nor things present nor things to come that could ever separate us from the love of Jesus. From Romans 8, this Christmas, remember what Jesus' birth means. He is our hope, not just for yesterday, not just for today, but our eternal hope. This little babe in the manger was destined for great and mighty things. He was the fulfillment of countless prophecies. He shows us how to live. He shows us how to depend on and trust in our Father God, just as Christ himself did. He submitted himself to obedience even to death on a cross for us. 
His death restored us. He took on our sin, our shame for us to have life in his name. His resurrection means he's alive. Death, suffering was not the end for him. Death and suffering is not the end for us. I will pray this prayer because for those who are in the faith and those even new to the faith that have accepted Christ today, and I am remembering you today in my prayers, I pray this from Ephesians 1, 17 through 23, that the Apostle Paul encouraged the church at Ephesus with. I pray for you to have the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Christ, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, and to know what are the riches of the glorious inheritance of the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in heavenly places, far above all rule, far above all authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. Christ has put all things under his feet and has given to you head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. In Jesus' name, amen. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come quickly, Lord Jesus.